receive the word of God this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, most a lot of people were already here at the first session this morning. You're going to get a double dose today. Amen. A double portion. Hallelujah. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me this morning to uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We've been doing a series for the last, well, this will be the number four, fourth week on this, the, the title, Living Living by Faith. Living by Faith. Praise God. The just shall live by faith, right? You know what the Bible says? But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Father, we thank you today for the word, the quickening word of God. And we ask you to quicken this word to us this morning, that it comes alive, jumps off the pages, literally into our spirits to bring life to us. And by the Spirit, let it be done, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, I've found one thing about the Holy Spirit. He's, he's very active. Amen. He's not on a retirement. The Holy Spirit's not in retirement. He's not like, well, I did my work 2,000 years ago. I'm just going to take it easy for a while now. <laughs> Amen. He is very active. You'll find in the book of Genesis that he was moving on the face of the deep even way back in the beginning. He's still moving today. And he's moving on our hearts today. Amen. Embrace today God's love for you. He loves you so much. And I said this for years. I said, if you were the only human being on the earth, Jesus still would have came and died just for you because he loves you that much. Sometimes we think, yeah, yeah, the Lord loves the masses, and we think of multitudes of people, and that's true. But, you know, masses are made up of individuals. You're an individual. You're important. Your life is important to God. Maybe you've never heard that before, but I'll tell you, your life is so important to God. It wasn't, uh, oh, a couple of years ago, you know, um, when I was praying. And, you know, when you pray, I said this at the first session, you know, we shouldn't be surprised if God starts talking to us while we're praying. Peter was up on the housetop praying, and he fell into a trance, had a vision. Remember that? And when people pray, God shows up. He begins to, you know, prayer is a, is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. It's you talking, then God talking back to you in a conversation. Wouldn't it be pretty boring if you just had a monologue with people all the time? You just said it just was one-sided. That'd be pretty boring. There's no interaction, right? Well, prayer was meant not to be a monologue where we're just doing all the talking, but it's meant to be a dialogue where we talk to the Lord, we ask Him questions, and then He answers us, okay? And and wasn't that long ago, a few years ago, actually, the Lord began to prompt me. He, says, he said, no, son, He called me Keith. One time, the Lord... Now, this might sound funny to you, but the Lord's pretty personal, you know? And the Lord called me Keithy. <laughs> and I, and I, I could hear the Lord smile, you know what I'm saying? Because my dad, that was, a, that was a title of endearment, you know, when I was younger. He would call me Keithy. Now, you don't have to call me that, but, you know. Okay? And I... And it kind of surprised me because the Lord, I, I heard the Lord in my spirit say, Keithy. I said, yeah? <laughs> What's this about, you know? And, you know, we hear, you can hear the voice of the Spirit of God talking to you. Now, you don't hear it with these ears right here, but you hear it in you. The scripture says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to us. Okay? So even, even today, now... It may, it may not be spectacular, but it's still supernatural, right? You could be sitting there in your chair, and God's, I'm sharing the word, but then God starts talking to you, starts ministering to you. And the Lord said this to me, and it got me to smile, to be honest with you. I was like, okay, so he called me Keithy. And, and that means a, a sense of endearment, you know? Now, I've got nicknames for my wife or my daughter and my son. I won't tell you what they are. That... I had nicknames for my animals when they were alive, you know. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just me, I guess. I don't know. But it's, it's, just, it's, it's just something that you do. Has anybody ever done that before? I mean, you say things to your animals you'd never say to other people, that kind of thing. <laughs> right? You do. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's, why is it? Because you love them. You love them, right? And... 
And the Lord began to talk to me. He says, he said, now, Keith, he goes, you've done a certain amount of this. But he says, I want to just encourage you. He says, uh, he said, I want you to talk to me about everything. He said, I want you to bring all the th everything and lay it on the table before me. He says, I don't want, I don't want there to be any part of your life that's not, I'm, that I'm not a part of that. And I thought, that's, that really touched my heart because sometimes, you know, we bring the hard things to God, you know, the big things to God. And, oh, God, I need help. I need help in this area. And sure enough, he's there for us. But yet, he wants to be involved in every single aspect of our lives. I mean, everything. We might think it's small, but to, to him it's not. Okay? Let's just say you have a project. You're doing something, you know, in your yard or something. It could be anything. And... Uh, Rather than just you do it, say, Lord, I'm going to involve you in this situation right now. I'm going to ask you right now to get involved with this. Talk to me. And he could show you how to do something better. Okay? And that's just the way he is. He's a, he's a personal God. Now, you don't receive Jesus as your corporate Savior. You receive him as your personal Savior, right? So, it's personal. Now, in this verse right here, we kind of use this like a springboard to launch off of this. And, and we're talking about living by faith. This is what God placed upon my heart. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. That's God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Boy, that's a loaded scripture right there, isn't it? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's the only avenue that I know of from the Bible that you actually can please God is, is by faith. Now we use other synonyms for faith. I looked it up actually and it means uh, a trust, a conviction, an assurance, a dependence, a reliance, credence. Give credence to something. And when you have faith, I, the biggest word that comes to me is trust. When we, God is looking for people that just will trust Him. Okay? He wants you to trust Him with your spirit, your spiritual life. He wants you to trust Him with your physical body. Okay? He wants you to trust Him with your finances. He wants you to trust you with your future and decisions that, that we have to make, right? All of us have choices and decisions. But if we get God involved in those choices and in, in those decisions, we're going to make right choices, I can tell you that. I look back at my own life and because I know me better than anybody else, and any choice that I've ever made outside of God was never a good choice. It might have seemed good. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction, you know. And sometimes it's conventional wisdom, as we say, to do certain things. But it's just better to get God involved in our lives every day and ask Him, Lord, I, I need help in this area. Amen. Where, you're, where you're really dependent on Him. Okay? I mean, I'll go out... For example, I'll, I'll, I'll go take a walk. I like to walk and pray, okay? Plus, it's good for your health. So I'll, I'll go out and walk, and I'll say, Father, I just want to, I will look to you right now to give me the strength and the protection right now. I don't just take it for granted, you know? I'll say, anoint this walk right now in Jesus' name, okay? And so what am I doing? I'm inviting God to come into that area of my life where it's not just me walking, it's me walking, but I'm communicating and talking with God. Some of the greatest revelations I've received in the last couple of years came when I was walking and praying and seeking God and talking with Him. Okay? So God literally wants to get involved in every area of your life. So this scripture says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Now here's the clincher. He says, He that cometh to God, that's prayer, must believe that He is first and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay? Or I, I could say it like this. There's no way that I'm going to be a diligent seeker of God unless I first believe that he is. Okay? Sometimes people think that when you pray, oh, I'm just talking to the wall, I'm just talking to the air. No, you have an audience before heaven. God hears your whispers. He hears. You don't have to scream for God to hear you. Shout. I remember years ago when we were first in the ministry, <laughs> we were working in a church in Texas, and there was an older couple that came to us. I'm trying to get their names right. Lotus was her name, right? What was his name? Fred. No, there was an unusual name. It's like an old school name. 
I don't know. Her name was Lotus. His name was something. I don't know. Doesn't matter. But they came, they came out of a church, and they were having, now this couple was much older. We were, I was 23 years old at the time, okay? We were assistant pastors, and we were uh, asked to counsel this couple. And it's, it's kind of crazy when you're counseling somebody that's like your grandmother's age. You know what I'm saying? I'm 22 or 23 years old, you know what I mean? And um, they were having problems in their relationship, you know? They'd been married for 50-some years or something like that, you know? And, and uh, Elmer. Elmer, yeah, that's it. Is that the Holy Spirit or what? <laughs> Elmer and Lotus, all right? Do you get that? That doesn't mean anything, but, you know. And, uh, and I, when we were talking with them, it, it became real clear to me that their background was something that I was not familiar with because they felt they were talking about had their struggles they're having in their spiritual life and in their marriage and everything. And, and they felt like every time they had to pray, they had a shout to God because they were raised in a church that you had a shout and scream, okay? Now, the Bible does say there's a shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. You know, there's a place for that, okay? But, you know, that's just not the everyday way that you, I mean, I don't always shout at my wife. I'll say, hey, what's up, Lynn? You know, she'd, get on, she'd get on her nerves real quick, and I can't blame her. She'd say, what is wrong with you, you know? Right? And this, this, this couple literally, they were, thought, they were taught in their denomination, whatever, I don't know if it's Pentecostal holiness or something, they were, you know, there's even ditches in that side too, you know. And, uh, and they literally, I was like baffled, I'm like, you got to shout every time you pray, you know. And I just remember that and I thought, well, if that's the case, then all of us should get a microphone, turn it on because then it's, it's more loud, right? And the louder you can get, the more God will hear you. I don't think so. Listen, God will hear your whisper. He'll, I, there's times I lay on my bed. I do more praying on my bed than anything else. I'll lay there in the middle of the night, and I'm talking out of my spirit, talking, not moving my mouth. You know you can talk to the Lord without even moving your mouth? Do you know that? Because your spirit has a voice. You can, you can talk. To the Lord, and He hears your spirit. It's your spirit talking. Your spirit has a voice, and, and you can actually talk to the Lord. But here's the key: is you believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Hallelujah! Practicing the presence of God. Now, today I want you to go with me to uh, Galatians, the second chapter. Galatians, the second chapter. Now we're talking about. Out of living by faith, we're talking about how to develop strong confidence or strong faith. How do you develop? The Bible teaches us that there's weak faith, strong faith. You know, there's different types of faith mentioned in the Bible. Little faith. Jesus said things like this, oh, you have little faith. And then he would say to someone else, you have great faith. So, I don't want to be someone that has little faith. I want to have great faith. Before Jesus comes back, I mean, I want to be found having faith in the earth. I want to have strong faith. And I want God to be able to look at me and say, that boy has strong faith. Don't you want that? I do. I'm not just, I know, I'm not just, I don't want to just stay on this one level. I want to come up higher. Glory to God. And we all should be doing that. We should all want to come up higher in our walk with God. Amen. Now, we saw the last, uh, last couple of weeks in particular that the number one way to develop a, a strong faith is have faith in the integrity. Number one, this is the first point, have, integ have faith in the integrity of God's Word. Have faith in the integrity of God's Word. This is the number one way that I know of to have strong faith is to realize as Numbers 23 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not spoken it, shall he not do it? Hath he not said it, shall he not make it good? God is not a man that he should lie. So I'll say this, Father, you always speak the truth. So if you speak, truth is coming forth. Amen. Amen. And so I'm, I get saturated because, see, we live in a world where people don't tell the truth all the time, especially nowadays. I mean, look at half the politicians, right? I promise I'll do this. They don't do it. You know what I'm saying? 
It's a rare thing when someone says, I'm going to do what I said, and then they back it up with words. Right? Yeah. Praise God, we've got a president that at least backs up his word, right? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I'm not trying to be political, but it's just so many people, especially politicians, they'll say, I'll do this, I promise I'll do this, and then they don't do it. Okay? But see, that, that, kind, of, that kind of spirit is prevalent in the world where people say things and they don't do it. In other words, they're lying, okay? Where, and sometimes we cross over into the things of the church world and we think, does God mean what he says or is he just kind of dangling the carrot before me and kind of teasing us with promises and then they never come to pass? No, listen, God is not a man that he should lie. If there was one lie in the Bible that God said, we'd have to throw the whole Bible away because there's no lies in him. He is truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thy word, he says, thy word is truth in John 17, 17. So that we covered that, that the foundation for having a stronger faith, developing faith, is to realize God said it, it must be true. It has to be true. So if God said it, I can rest assured, I can go to bed at night, put my head on that pillow, and I can sleep that God's working even when I can't see it. (laughs) In Galatians 2, here's what we're going to talk about today. In Galatians 2.20. And the first principle, like I said, is to develop strong faith. You have to have integrity. Believe in the integrity of God's word. Here's the second thing I want to talk about today. In Galatians 2.20 says, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, notice that, in the flesh, because that's the, that's the life that we have in the flesh, right? He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, notice it doesn't say, I live by the faith in the Son of God. Notice it doesn't say that. Does it? No, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of, of the Son of God. Notice this. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, he loved you and he gave himself for you. Okay? Now, what does that mean? I am crucified with Christ. You know, you try to mentally figure that out. Say, well, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago. I wasn't nailed to the cross next to him. What does that mean? There used to be a song that we used to sing in our Pentecostal church. Were you there when they crucified the Lord? Mm-hmm. Ever hear that song? Mm-hmm. You ever, anybody ever heard that song? Were you there when they crucified the Lord? I think, nope, I wasn't there. <laughs> but actually, you were. Because Jesus' death was your death. Amen. His burial was your burial. His resurrection was your resurrection. His ascension is your ascension. His seating is your seating. Because everything he did, he did it for you. You see, technically speaking, we should have been nailed to the cross because of our sin. But guess what? Jesus took, he became our substitute, our sacrifice. He took our place on that cross. And when he died, it was like you dying. When he was buried, that's why he says, I've been crucified with Christ. The scripture says we were buried with Christ. We were raised with Christ in Ephesians chapter 2. We've been raised up to sit with Christ in heavenly places. You're already in heaven. Say, doggone, I didn't know that. Spiritually speaking, you're already in, your spirit is already in heaven. You can be both places at the same time. That's right. And so his death was your death. His burial was your burial. His resurrection was your resurrection. His ascension was your ascension. And the Bible says we've been raised up in Ephesians chapter 2 to sit with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Far above principalities, power, might, dominion, and every name that's named. Not only of beings in the earth, but beings under the earth. He's raised us up. To sit with him. A place of dominion. A place of authority. 
I said this some time ago. One day, one day I was, we were flying somewhere. I don't know where we were going. Probably a conference, I think. And uh, we're 30, 29,000, I think it was, up at 29,000 feet up on a big jet airliner, you know. And I'm looking out. It's beautiful clouds looking out, you know. And, and I said to myself, I said to the Lord, I said, and I looked down and I could see rivers and, you know, roads just so small looking, you know. And, I mean, from that perspective, 29,000 feet, 30,000 feet, whatever it is they fly at, cruising altitude. And I said to the Lord within myself, I said, wow, Lord, we're really high. He goes, nope, that you're not. I said, really? He goes, that's nothing. You've been raised up to sit with me in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. You've been raised up. We've been raised up. Now, what's that all about? Dominion and authority. You have dominion as a Christian. Absolute dominion and authority over all the works of darkness. Someone says, could have fooled me. <laughs> no, you do. You have, that's the good news about today. Now, if you believe that, you'll not be able to sit still. You'll be like, oh, man, I've been raised up. So instead of treating it like a fairy tale, like, ah, oh, that's nice, that's good information. But no, the truth is, you have been raised up. That's what Jesus said. You've been raised up to sit with him in heavenly places. And I'll tell you, demons and devils are under your feet. Oppression is under your feet. Depression is under your feet. Now, our job is to let the devil know where he stands, and that's under our feet. Someone said, you know, one time, if you're going to write a message to the devil, write it on the bottom of your shoe. Because you tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Okay? Instead of having a struggling mentality like a lot of the church world has had for years, like, oh, the devil's been beating me up all week long. Oh, bless his holy name. <laughs> How was your week, brother, sister? Oh, the devil's been after me all week long. Okay? And we've, we've all kind of done that at times, right? So whew, it's a rough week, you know? Well, we've got to put the devil under our feet. Hallelujah. It's kind of like, you know, I've got two, two women in my house here, my daughter and my wife, you know, and I'll tell you one thing they don't like. I can tell you this. They will never have a pet spider. <laughs> if I came to her and said, Honey, the Lord put it on my heart to get a tarantula. That wouldn't happen. Okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> Y'all women know what I'm talking about, right? And as far as they're concerned, the only good spider is a dead spider. One time I heard this sh shrieking noise way back upstairs, and my daughter says, Dad, can you help me? You know? And there was a, I'm like, what's going on? There's a centipede on her wall. This has happened more than once. You know what a centipede is? Okay, they're, they're almost too fast to get a hold of sometimes. You know, they get, that's why they got all those legs, right? They're, hey, if you had a thousand legs, you'd be running fast too, dear, right? You'd be flying, man. You'd break some records. <laughs> okay, I'm out there right now. I know it. That's all right. But uh, the only, as far as they're concerned, the only good spider is a dead spider. The only good centipede is a dead one. Because once they're dead and gone and flushed down the toilet, then everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, folks, that's the way we need to treat demons and devils when they start messing with us. We don't say, hey, come on in here. I heard you knocking on the door. Come on in. You know, if, if oppression and depression and things, oppression comes against us, fear, fear is always from the devil. And he comes into your house, you know, you got to say, uh -uh, no, you don't, spirit of fear. Now, we're not, we're not dealing with a physical entity here. We're dealing with a spiritual entity. And the scripture even tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given you and me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is called a spirit. And fear will come in very subtly sometimes. Fear will come in and, and say things like, you know... Uh, you know, especially, it, all, it always goes, you can always trace it back to what you've been hearing. The news media is a, is, a, is a horrible propagator of bad news. 
flu season, cancer, the big C, right? No. It's big Jesus, little C. Okay? And, and you hear people talking about so-and-so died in a car accident. They were a believer. Something like that, you know? Well, here's the thing. You don't know what they're standing on. You don't know where their faith is. You don't know what they've believed. You don't know if they disobeyed the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost is there to protect you. And He will, he will show you things. He will tell you things to protect you. Okay? He will warn you. Now, that you may not hear it with these ears, but inside you'll have an impression. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to go there. It's just, I don't feel right about it. You know, it's not necessarily a voice. It's more of an impression. Okay? And, and, and the Lord will always try to protect you. And, but sometimes people don't listen to that. Okay? And in some cases, it can be detrimental. Okay? But let me tell you something. If you saw something bad happen to another believer, God was trying to talk to them. God was trying to warn them. You know, there was a, a, a guy that we, were, were, we know that is a pastor in New York City. His church was in the World Trade Center uh, prior to 9-11 when that happened in the world. He had a church. And he used to work, uh, his name is Dan, actually. And he's still a pastor there, but in a different location. But he, had, he used to work in the uh, uh, stock market. He was one of the, the big guys you'd see on, on TV in the stock market. You know, ringing the bell and all that kind of screaming and yelling and all that. I don't know what they all do, but, you know, you've seen that before on, on Wall Street. He got saved in the midst of that. And the Lord said, I want you to stay in, the, in this area and I want you to bring the gospel to these people that are in this particular realm, in the financial realm. And, and so he did that. He started a church there. But long story short, when uh, the, the day came on 9-11-2001, when those enemies of, of America and enemies of the world, actually, that, uh, the, that followed what they follow and the religion that they follow. It's not a religion of peace. I can tell you that right now. Okay? And uh, those people, many of them worked in that building, too. Not that they only go to church there, but they also worked in that building. And that particular day, more people called off before anything happened. More people called off and said, we're taking a sick day today. It was a beautiful day, if you remember that. On 9-11, it was a beautiful, sunny day. And, um, and, you know, and his testimony was not one person from his church died. Not one person. Many, of many people, not one person that worked in the, They said they just felt led to call off that day and not go into work. Or they, they felt they just were showing up late and they were always on time, you know. And testimony after testimony after testimony of people that it was not spectacular, but it was supernatural that the Lord would tell within their heart, just take a day off. And they weren't even sick. Just take a sick day. Okay? Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and those people were, were spared. And afterwards, when, the, when the, everything came down and, and the aftermath of the reality of what actually took place... They're like, God really did speak to me. Amen? Now, years ago, there was another, there was a plane crash that happened right over here, not too far from here, up in, um, where was that? Up in uh, Chippewa, I don't know, Aliquippa or something like that. If you go past the airport, basically, that road out there, you know, and there was a, there was a plane that came down, I want to say probably in the 90s. Is that correct? Right around the 90s? I don't know where. But anyway, I, I knew of a person that their brother was actually scheduled to be on that plane from Chicago to Pennsylvania, to Pittsburgh, right? Doing business there, catching the plane, coming back after a day's work. And he, he was scheduled to be on that plane that, that crashed. Something happened, malfunction in that plane. It came down. Everybody died, okay, in the plane. Terrible thing. And I remember the day that that happened. It was, it was much like 9-11 the day. The weather was sunny and perfect and beautiful. But he, d he decided at the last minute, the brother of this person that I'm talking about decided, you know what, I'm, just gonna, I'm not even going to catch this plane. I'm just going to get the, the later flight. I'm just going to stay up here for, for no apparent reason. Okay? 
And they, they did that. And of course, the family members thought he was on the plane, which he wasn't, you know. And, uh, but when it was all said and done, when he got back, he said, man, it was the most subtle thought that came to him. It was just peaceful. It wasn't fear. But a subtle thought just said, just take the next flight. Just take the next flight. All right? Well, that decision saved his life. It saved his life. Okay? Now, if we listen, if we train, now we, we're big on that at this church because I believe Jesus is, amen? He wants us to learn to listen to the Spirit of God in our daily affairs, in our daily lives. Amen. And listen to Him. Listen to His promptings. It may not make sense, but it makes faith. <laughs> it may not make sense. Well, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this, you know, and, or not do this. And by doing so, you can save yourselves a lot of heartache. Now, I will say this. Do not be afraid of making a mistake because we all make mistakes. Not all choices and not all decisions are detrimental. Okay? But if you involve God in every your everyday affairs, then you're getting, here's the key, is you're getting acclimated to listening to the Lord in your daily affairs so that if something big comes along that could be something to try to take your life out, you're already tuned into the Holy Spirit and He'll tell you what to do and what not to do. And you can have the absolute confidence that He will. My sheep, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Hallelujah. What if every church in America, what if every church in Pittsburgh right now learned how to listen to be led by the Holy Spirit? It would change the course of this city. Hallelujah. I want to I learn that. I want to develop a more of an ear for the Lord. Do you? I don't want to be so hard-headed that I, I'm not missing what God's saying to me. Sometimes we can be so headstrong that we're not heart-sensitive. Okay? See, having a strong will sometimes is not good. Right? Having a, that person strong-willed, man. That kid of mine, that, that boy of mine, he's strong-willed. Okay? That girl, strong-willed. You ever hear that phrase before? Well, that can be good. That can be bad. I want to have a strong will to do what God wants to do. And if he says change in midstream, change something, then by all means, we're just going to go with it. Just going to go with it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This second point here, we're still on this right here. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. All right, here's what I want to focus on, number two. So the first principle to, to developing strong, stronger faith is to realize the integrity of God's Word and remind yourself of that. Number two is to realize that the faith that you have now, are, you, are you, anybody a child of God in here? Okay. It's not just your faith. You're living by the faith of of the Son of God. So the faith that you do have is not yours anyway. God gave that to you. Okay? Now go with, with, that, with that thought in mind. Let's go over real quick to Ephesians chapter 2. Even the faith that we have is a gift from God. And He gives you and me the ability to believe Him when His Word is spoken. I had the Lord correct me. He corrects me a lot <laughs> when I need it. And I'm not talking with sickness and disease. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying He corrects us with His Word. But it's never to hurt us. It's never to make us feel terrible. But it, it's, it, it's to help us. And the Lord checked me one time. It was some time ago. And it was a phrase that I had been you know, sometimes we use these buzzwords. We, we, and a lot of times we pick it up from somebody else and we start talking. We use words that they use. We never, I'm not talking about cuss words. I'm just talking about um, phrases. Something might sound cool or whatever, you know, or whatever. And, we, and all of a sudden, I find myself, you ever do that before and you're saying the same thing that someone else just said because you heard it? And unconsciously, subconsciously, you end up saying the same thing. And, and here's a phrase that I used to say all the time. I can't believe that. Something good would happen. I can't believe that happened. 
I don't know how many hundreds of times I probably said that. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. You're not going to believe this. You can't believe this, you know? And in the midst of that, the Lord lovingly corrected me because, listen, out of, you might think words are no big deal, but let me tell you something. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If he, in, a, in the book of Proverbs, it says death and life are both in the power of the tongue. You can release death words that bring destruction, or you can release faith-filled words, love-filled words that will bless you. Okay? And so, I, I, I don't know, only God knows how many times I would use that phrase. I can't believe that. You know? I just can't believe it. I can't believe that. And the Lord corrected me and he says, he goes, I'm going to help you to stop saying that. He goes, you, you can believe what I said because what happens is we think, well, that's no big deal. That's just words, right? No, listen, you're saved by words. That's a big deal. By thy words, Jesus said, you are justified. By thy words, you are condemned. When I said Jesus is Lord, those words changed my, my destiny, my destiny, my eternal destiny. And if your words change your eternal destiny, which is the big, big deal, right? How much more will the words of your mouth change the everyday affairs of your life? Right? Instead of talking sick, instead of talking broke, instead of talking I never have enough, we ought to be speaking words of abundance. We ought to be speaking words of health and healing. My, my body is vibrant with health. Amen. Amen. The blood of Jesus runs in my body. His blood's in my blood. And start talking like, no, they might sound crazy. You know, you have to understand, the world system is doing things that's completely opposite of, of the way of the, the church world. Right. Case in point. You would never think twice. Most people wouldn't think twice. If a guy's out there in the parking lot... And he goes, puts his keys in the ignition, goes to start his car, and the thing's not working. He goes, and then he gets out, flips the hood open like that's going to solve the problem. Okay? When all else fails, just lift the hood up and everything will be fixed, right? (laughs) You're just starting, right? And, uh, you know, most people wouldn't think if that guy kicked his tires and said, you piece of junk. Maybe some other choice words, but, you know, and start talking to his car. Nobody would think twice about it and think, that guy's talking to his car. Do you see that? Nobody in the world would think twice about that. But if you get a guy, a Christian that understands these things, he's out there and he's laying hands on that car and say, listen to me, car. I speak blessings over you. You will live and not die. <laughs> you will run and not be weary. You know, people think, He's lost it. She's lost it, right? Both of them are using words. But see, the way of the world is negative. Negative. Okay? That Jesus said, you can speak to the mountain. You can bless things. Words are powerful. It's the most powerful thing that we have. Okay? I've been healed by speaking right words over my physical body. I've, I've, I've seen miracles happen in my life, even financially at times, by speaking right words in the midst of drought. Okay? Words are powerful. And we have to understand, and here's where the Lord corrected me with this, and sometimes I'll find myself slipping back in and the Lord will remind me, he says, no, you can believe. It's not, I can't believe that. He says, you make a choice. I can believe that. When I read the Word of God, I says, I can believe that. I choose to believe that. Right? I have, you have a choice. I have a choice. Am I going to believe that? I choose to believe that. Hallelujah. I'm getting happier by the minute as I share this. Hallelujah. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Say, I live live by the faith faith of of the Son of God. So what little faith you might have, God put it in there. And that measure can obviously increase and develop. And it will. Uh, there's no way you're going to come to a church like this and sit there and not grow spiritually. It just, it just won't happen. 
That's why the devil tries so hard to keep people out of a church like this. I'm not saying we're the corner on the market. We've, I'm not saying that at all. Okay? But I'm responsible for what the content. I'm responsible to deliver the goods here, right, of the things that I feel God's put on my heart. And the things that I w- w- will share and continue to share, I'll make sure that it's what the heart of God or what He wants, things that will help you, not that will hurt you, not will condemn you, but will lift you up. Hallelujah. Now, I had you turn to Ephesians, didn't I? Ephesians 2. And it says, uh, in verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained that you should walk therein. Okay? So I wanted to verify that phrase right there. For by grace are you saved, notice this, through faith. You're not saved by faith, you're saved by grace. But faith is the doorway into the grace of God. A good way to look at it is like this. Grace, under the umbrella of grace, is everything that Jesus did for us. He purchased your salvation. He purchased your healing. He purchased your provision. He did all those wonderful things for us, right? That falls under the category of grace. But faith unlocks the key that grace has already given. Faith is the doorway, okay? When you go home after church and you go into your house or your apartment or wherever you live, there's a certain, you don't go through the window, you go through the door, right? Unless you locked yourself out, right? But you go, you go through the door into your house, okay? That door is like your faith and the grace is like the house. Everything you need is in the house. But the door <coughs> is like faith that opens the door, gives you access into all the grace that you have that, that belongs to you. Isn't that wonderful? And I'll tell you, Jesus did everything ahead of time for you and me before we were ever born. Before you were even a dot on the earth, <laughs> Jesus already took care of he saw you down the future. He saw you millennials ago. He saw you, and he made provision for you before you ever even knew about it. Amen. And that's, that's why we emphasize faith, because that, that's the doorway into, just like these doors, you had to come through one of those doors to come in here, where faith is that doorway, the access point where you can go in. <coughs> Excuse me. To all that God has for it. For you're saved by faith, by grace, through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. And so the second key right here to living by faith and to living victorious is to realize that the faith that you do have is not yours anyway. God put that on the inside of you. You have a measure of the God kind of faith already resident on the inside of you. I am looking right now currently at a bunch of word, Holy Ghost filled people whom Jesus loves that have faith on the inside of you. Well, pastor, I just don't feel like it. Okay, let's address that. Do you have a brain? Do you feel it? Can you see it? How many of you have a heart? A blood pump? How many have one? How many of you feel it? How many of you can see it? <coughs> you can't. Anybody here got some lungs? How about a kidney? How about a liver? Well, I don't feel like I do, Brother Keith. Well, you do, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be here right now. Correct? <clears throat> My point being is this. There's a lot of things you take by faith anyway. You accept it by faith because... Technically and logically, you couldn't exist without it. All right? There's no special feeling attached to it, but you know it's there. You know it's there. Amen? Praise God. All those inward parts, all those organs that are necessary for us to 
stay alive and be alive. And man, I just stop and think about it. Sometimes, you know, without without air, we'd we'd be gone in seconds. Without oxygen, we'd be gone. In, I mean, our next heartbeat comes from God. But you're not sitting there counting it one, two. You're not even thinking about it. But as you're sitting here, you're, all these heartbeats that are in here, thousands of heartbeats in here, you're not even thinking about it. Why? Because God's giving you that next heartbeat. He's giving you that next breath. Okay? Are you kidding me? That's no big bang. That's no accident. Are you kidding me? Did all that come out of a big bang and all of a sudden everything's working like in perfect harmony? Your body works in perfect harmony. The way it functions, it's, we're fearfully, the Bible says, we're fearfully and we're wonderfully made in His likeness and His image. You're a walking miracle. But we get, we get acclimated to that. We get used to that. But sometimes I remind myself, I say, my next heartbeat just came from Jesus. Right? My next breath just came from Jesus. He gave me that breath. He gave me that air. He gave me that heartbeat. And guess what? He's given you the faith that you need to go through this life and to turn out okay. Everything's going to be okay. All of us have here, all of us in this room have had some type of setbacks, disappointments. We all have. Let's not focus on that. The fact of the matter is you're here now. You survived. We could all get t-shirts, right? <laughs> I survived 19-whatever, 1978 or whatever, you know. Okay? Well, the Lord doesn't want us just in survival mode. He wants us in thriving mode till we, till we realize, even though I went through something, the Lord kept me. You might have felt a bump in the road, but the Lord kept you. Okay? So always major one of the things I'll leave you with here today is always major on the good things that are working in your life, not the things that are not working. Okay? Focus on the positive stuff. Focus on the things that, that are literally happening. The good things are happening all the time to you. You just don't, we don't pay attention to it sometimes. Okay? Right now in this service, there's a lot of good things that are happening, right? And all through the week, God is keeping you. He's sustaining you. How many got to eat this morning? God provided food for you, right? He did that for you. And so what we want to do is we want to focus on the goodness of God. And I'll leave you with this, this story here this morning because we're out of time here. But, uh, and I'll just refer to it for the sake of time this morning, but maybe next week we'll get a chance to get dive more into this. But do you remember when Abraham and Sarah came along and they were childless, they couldn't have children Remember that? And, and here they're approaching 100 years old. And the Lord tells Abraham and Sarah that they're going to become that a father and a mother of many nations. It's, it's laughable from the natural, right? And it even says in Romans 4, who against natural hope believed in hope, right? Now they, from all, even in their younger years, they couldn't have children. She was barren. Sarah was barren. In her younger years, she couldn't even have children. Let alone she's pushing 100 years old. Okay? Now, how many 100-year-old people do you know that are having kids? The last time I checked, I haven't seen any. Okay? Great, 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 great grandmother having a, another baby. Okay? Now, we know for something like that to happen, there has to be an absolute miracle. Because the age process and so forth and the, just the way things naturally work, you know, you just, it doesn't add up. But they had something that no one else had. They had a word from God. And it says, who against natural hope? Abraham believed in supernatural hope. And he, God called him the father of many nations before he had any kids. <laughs> father of many nations. He changed their names, by the way. Abram to Abraham, which meant father of many nations, changed from Sarah, his wife is Sarah, to Sarah, and God put their initials in their names. Now she's called princess, queen, mother of many nations. God had them change their names. So they, they just weren't hearing, there's all, oh, there's so-and-so. They, they said, 
Abraham meant father of many nations. Words have, biblical names have meaning. You have to understand that. Back in, I mean, nowadays you've got these thick books, you know, when kids have, people have babies, you know, they, there's a million and one names you can pick out of a, a list of, <coughs> what can we call this, this little boy? What can we call this girl? And people, and there's some decent names, I'm not saying that. But, you know, I, I just believe that God has a name you might be surprised when you get to heaven that God has another name for you other than what you were named on the earth. And it'll ring a bell in you more than your natural name because words have meaning. Okay? And when God changed their name from Abram to Abraham, it meant father of many nations. Sarah, Sarai, not Sarai anymore, it's Sarah. And you will become a princess, mother of many nations. And uh, the scripture tells us, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, so shall thy seed be. And the Bible says, And Abraham, being not weak in faith, when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God promised him, he was able also to perform. Now, they didn't start out strong in faith because Ishmael would have never been in the situation. But Ishmael came along, right? You know, you invite Ishmael, right? You know about Ishmael. That was a child of the flesh. Something's working though, right? Because Abraham, <laughs> Abraham, you know, he's 100 years old here and his wife says, you know, uh, she, this logical said, you know, well, we got this maidservant, Hagar. Remember her, you know, Hagar? She's young. She can have children. Maybe God's saying that if you just lie with her, then maybe the seed will come through her. And Abraham was just dumb enough to believe it. He just said, okay. <laughs> Go figure. And afterwards, Sarah got mad. right? She, Wait a minute. It started with you. You gave the advice, right? These are human beings like anybody else. But, and she, she conceived the son. You know, and Ishmael was his name. And to this day, that's why you have this, the promised child, Isaac, and Ishmael still at odds. That's why you have the, the, the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the Palestinians and people like that. Those, they came out of Ishmael. Okay? And, and Isaac, Israel. Okay, that's the promised seed. That came out of Sarah. Okay? And, and the Lord said they're going to be at war with each other for years. And that's the way it's been. That's the way it's been since the very beginning. Ishmael persecuted Isaac. He's mad. He was jealous at him, you know. And because and, um, he was his half-brother, you know. But the promise was to Isaac. And it's interesting. When God told they're going to have a son, he told them to name him Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. Isaac means ha ha. <laughs> That's what it means, laughter. In my old age, God made me laugh. You see, I said this at the first session this morning that God will have you laugh at impossibilities. Faith laughs at impossibilities. Your mind says, you can't do that. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the resources. You don't got what it takes. But faith says, ha, ha, ha. Because my God's bigger. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the kind of mindset God is getting us into. To start changing the way we think. I need this. Listen, I need this. I'll go back and hear my own sermon today. <laughs> I do. I will. I'll go listen to myself. I said, amen, brother. That was good. I might even take an offering up for myself. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's shifting the way that we think, changing the way that we think, thinking in line with, with what God says, because with Him, there's nothing impossible. Praise the Lord. Do you know every, for every fear, for every fear, that you and I experience in this life, there's a promise for that. There's a promise for every fear. 
There's a whole lo there's a list of fears you can list phobias, different types of phobias. I mean, there're list I, I can't even name them all. There's so many. There's fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear of closed spaces, you know, there's all these different phobias, you know. There's there's a there's hundreds of them. Stuff I never even heard of. Some people are afraid of air. Afraid of air, afraid of germs. Phobias, there's all these different phobias, but for every fear that man has, that mankind has. Did you ever notice that when Jesus prayed for the lepers, he didn't put a pair of rubber gloves on? Bring me the latex. Disciples, you got the latex gloves? Bring them over. <laughs> Slap it on there, you know. He didn't do that. I never really thought of that until right now. Jesus laid hands on the lepers. Now, wait a minute, that's contagious. I know, in the natural. But Jesus wasn't operating in fear. So we don't need to fear germs. We don't need to fear sickness and disease. We don't have to, because what you fear will come to you. Job 3.25 says, the thing that you greatly feared has come up. He said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. Fear will draw the bad stuff to you that you don't want, where faith will draw the good stuff to you that you do want. The thing I greatly faith has come upon me. Oh. <laughs> there it is. It shows up. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Today's been like a double barrel shotgun. Glory to God. The first service and the second service. Hallelujah. Every one of you have the potential to be giants in your faith. Because God gave you the faith. This is not something that you're conjuring up. It's something that he gave you. He put his faith. He put his faith in the new birth. He put that faith. He even gave you the ability to believe on Jesus. When you, when you heard the gospel, he gave you the ability to say, I can believe that. I didn't even know that when I was 17, 16 years old. And the gentleman that shared the gospel with me shared that same scripture in Ephesians. We're not saved by faith. Works were saved by grace through faith. You know, I'd never heard that scripture before. But this gentleman who came out of a, a really bad situation, he was a, a biker, and a, a, let's just say he was a rank sinner before he knew Jesus, and he was radically saved, this guy. Okay, his name was Ike. And he just went home to be with the Lord a couple years ago. I was at his funeral, and he led me to the Lord. And I thank God for him. I had the, the opportunity to sit down with him a few times through the years. You know, <clears throat> I had lost track. I didn't know who he, where he was. All I knew was his name was Ike. And I remember the first time I was preaching in our first church, I was sharing that testimony about this guy named Ike, okay? Now, you know how many people there are in Pittsburgh? There's millions of people, right? We never kept touch. I, never, I didn't know his last name. All I knew was his name was Ike, okay? The guy that led me to the Lord. I'm testifying in my church on a Sunday morning. This is back in like 1986. And I'm talking about this guy named Ike. And there was a couple that was in, a young couple that was in the church. They came up to me after the service. They said, we know who you're talking about. That's my uncle. Because his, so I, I, there were certain physical characteristics. He, he only had one eye, okay, because he had problems with his one eye. And this young couple came up to me after the service and said, uh, that's my uncle. I said, looky here. The next week, they showed up at church. And I mean, it was like, it was like heaven on earth. I mean, here's the guy that led me to Jesus. And I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his last name. I didn't know where he lived. I didn't know anything. And so this young kid told his uncle about me. He says, I know exactly who he is. They all showed up when they had a daughter by then, you know, and they all showed up to church. It was like a heavenly reunion. Remember that, Lynn? Oh, it was glorious. You know? But my point being is this. I remember him sharing that scripture. I'd never heard Ephesians 2, 8, 9 before. And he was witnessing to me and a buddy of mine. Okay, I'm 16 years old. But all of a sudden, now in retrospect, I look back at that. God gave me the ability to believe what he said. He put the, I didn't know it till now, later, that God put the faith inside me to 
believe what he was saying, and I got saved. Memorial Day weekend, bicentennial year, 1976, at Jamonville, a Methodist youth camp. I, I gave my heart to, to Jesus, and his faith was put, I didn't know until years later, but his faith was placed and gave me the ability to believe. So now on, from here on, you and me, don't, we do not have to struggle anymore with what God promised us in his word. We don't have to look at it like, I don't know if I can believe that. That seems tough. I'm not sure about that. If God promises up to you in the word, he will furnish you the faith to believe for that thing. He will furnish you the faith to believe. Amen.